Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope.
His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard His children in His arms. He carries them all day long. Praise Him, praise Him. Tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him. Ever in joyful song. Praise Him, praise Him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. For our sins. Suffered and bled and died. He, our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him, Jesus the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows. Love unbounded, wonderful, deep and strong. Life true. 
Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
Sunday night, the car door closed softly, footsteps came up the stairs. 
Young Pastor Tony met his wife at the entrance, his face lined with a thousand cares. We've been here two years and nothing's changed. These people won't listen at all. I'm out of answers and I'm feeling small. But as he read in the Bible, page after page, his heart was convinced to stay in the race. He knelt by his desk, then lay on the floor. Though I don't understand what it's for, I'll trust one day more. I'll pray again. Two again in the morning, a mother wakes up again. Her youngest daughter has a special condition. They say that she won't pass ten. The worry's so great, and nothing's changed. Does God understand us at all? We're out of answers and we're feeling small. But as she read in the Bible, page after page, the comfort came in right along with grace. Her hand held her daughter and they knelt on the floor. Though we don't understand what it's for, we'll trust one day more. We'll pray again, we'll kneel again, we'll knock on the door, asking for more strength for the fight, peace in the night, trusting by faith, the answer he'll send. darkness surrounds you and God seems so silent your back's against the wall you may be tempted to doubt God's goodness it feels like he won't hear your call the questions take shape and cloud your mind is God in control after all? My life's out of balance and I'm going to fall. But 
Invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise.
foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus hath led? Fear not, he is with us, oh be not dismayed, for he is our God, our sustainer and strength. He'll be our defender and cause us to stand Upheld by His merciful almighty As Lord will press on enduring the darkest of storm, and though even hell should endeavor to shake, you'll never, no, never, no, never forsake.
whatever's been done, I will be your home. I will be your home. I will be your home in this When I move my hand, I will bring you home, home to your own place in a beautiful land. I will bring you home. I will bring you home. I We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, The Measure of Forgiveness. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, Christ said, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. Our Lord teaches that matters of difficulty between Christians are to be settled within the church. They should not be opened before those who do not fear God. If a Christian is wronged by his brother, let him not appeal to unbelievers in a court of justice. Let him follow out the instruction Christ has given. Instead of trying to avenge himself, let him seek to save his brother. God will guard the interests of those who love and fear Him, and with confidence we may commit our case to Him who judges righteously. Too often when wrongs are committed again and again, 
and the wrongdoer confesses his fault, the injured one becomes weary and thinks he has forgiven quite enough. But the Saviour has plainly told us how to deal with the erring. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Luke 17 verse 3 Do not hold him off as unworthy of your confidence. Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Galatians 6 verse 1 If your brethren err, you are to forgive them. When they come to you with confession, you should not say, I do not think they are humble enough. I do not think they feel their confession. What right have you to judge them, as if you could read the heart? The Word of God says, If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Luke 17, verses 3 and 4. And not only seven times, but seventy times seven, just as often as God forgives you. We ourselves owe everything to God's free grace. Grace in the covenant ordained our adoption. Grace in the Saviour effected our redemption, our regeneration, and our exaltation to heirship with Christ. Let this grace be revealed to others. Give the erring one no occasion for discouragement. Suffer not a pharisaical hardness to come in and hurt your brother. Let no bitter sneer rise in mind or heart. Let no tinge of scorn be manifest in the voice. If you speak a word of your own, if you take an attitude of indifference, or show suspicion or distrust, it may prove the ruin of a soul. He needs a brother with the elder brother's heart of sympathy to touch his heart of humanity. Let him feel the strong clasp of a sympathizing hand and hear the whisper, Let us pray. God will give a rich experience to you both. Prayer unites us with one another and with God. Prayer brings Jesus to our side and gives to the fainting, perplexed soul new strength to overcome the world, the flesh and the devil. Prayer turns aside the attacks of Satan. When one turns away from human imperfections to behold Jesus, a divine transformation takes place in the character. The Spirit of Christ, working upon the heart, conforms it to His image. Then let it be your effort to lift up Jesus. Let the mind's eye be directed to the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John 1.29 As you engage in this work, remember that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. James 5 verse 20 If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6 verse 15 Nothing can justify an unforgiving spirit. He who is unmerciful toward others shows that he himself is not a partaker of God's pardoning grace. In God's forgiveness, the heart of the erring one is drawn close to the great heart of infinite love. The tide of divine compassion flows into the sinner's soul, and from him to the souls of others. The tenderness and mercy that Christ has revealed in his own precious life will be seen in those who become sharers of his grace. But if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans 8, 9. He is alienated from God fitted only for eternal separation from him. 
It is true that he may once have received forgiveness, but his unmerciful spirit shows that he now rejects God's pardoning love. He has separated himself from God and is in the same condition as before he was forgiven. He has denied his repentance, and his sins are upon him as if he had not repented. But the great lesson of the parable lies in the contrast between God's compassion and man's hard-heartedness, in the fact that God's forgiving mercy is to be the measure of our own. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow-servant, even as I had pity on thee? We are not forgiven because we forgive, but as we forgive. The ground of all forgiveness is found in the unmerited love of God. But by our attitude toward others, we show whether we have made that love our own. Wherefore Christ says, With what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Matthew 7 verse 2. Gain that is loss. This chapter is based on Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Christ was teaching, and as usual, others besides his disciples had gathered about him. He had been speaking to the disciples of the scenes in which they were soon to act a part. They were to publish abroad the truths he had committed to them, and they would be brought in conflict with the rulers of this world. For his sake, they would be called into courts and before magistrates and kings. He had assured them of wisdom which none could gainsay. His own words that moved the hearts of the multitude and brought to confusion his wily adversaries witnessed to the power of that indwelling spirit which he had promised to his followers. But there were many who desired the grace of heaven only to serve their selfish purposes, they recognized the marvelous power of Christ in setting forth the truth in a clear light. They heard the promise to his followers of wisdom to speak before rulers and magistrates. Would he not lend his power for their worldly benefit? And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Through Moses, God had given directions concerning the transmission of property. The eldest son received a double portion of the father's estate, Deuteronomy 21, verse 17, while the younger brothers were to share alike. This man thinks that his brother has defrauded him of his inheritance. His own efforts have failed to secure what he regards as his due, but if Christ will interpose, the end will surely be gained. He has heard Christ's stirring appeals and his solemn denunciations of the scribes and Pharisees. If words of such command could be spoken to this brother, he would not dare to refuse the aggrieved man his portion. In the midst of the solemn instruction that Christ had given, this man had revealed his selfish disposition. He could appreciate that ability of the Lord which might work for the advancement of his own temporal affairs, but spiritual truths had taken no hold on his mind and heart. The gaining of the inheritance was his absorbing theme. Jesus, the King of glory, who was rich, yet for our sake became poor, was opening to him the treasures of divine love. The Holy Spirit was pleading with him to become an heir of the inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away. 1 Peter 1 verse 4 He had seen evidence of the power of Christ 
Now the opportunity was his to speak to the great teacher, to express the desire uppermost in his heart. But like the man with the muckrake in Bunyan's allegory, his eyes were fixed on the earth. He saw not the crown above his head. Like Simon Magus, he valued the gift of God as a means of worldly gain. The Saviour's mission on earth was fast drawing to a close. Only a few months remained for him to complete what he had come to do in establishing the kingdom of his grace. Yet human greed would have turned him from his work to take up the dispute over a piece of land. But Jesus was not to be diverted from his mission. His answer was, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? Jesus could have told this man just what was right. He knew the right in the case, but the brothers were in a quarrel because both were covetous. Christ virtually said, It is not my work to settle controversies of this kind. He came for another purpose, to preach the gospel, and thus to arouse men to a sense of eternal realities. In Christ's treatment of this case is a lesson for all who minister in his name. When he sent forth the twelve, he said, As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. They were not to settle the temporal affairs of the people. Their work was to persuade men to be reconciled to God. In this work lay their power to bless humanity. The only remedy for the sins and sorrow of men is Christ. The gospel of His grace alone can cure the evils that curse society. The injustice of the rich toward the poor, the hatred of the poor toward the rich, alike have their root in selfishness, and this can be eradicated only through submission to Christ. He alone, for the selfish heart of sin, gives the new heart of love. Let the servants of Christ preach the gospel with the Spirit sent down from heaven and work as he did for the benefit of men. Then such results will be manifest in the blessing and uplifting of mankind as are wholly impossible of accomplishment by human power. Our Lord struck at the root of the affair that troubled this questioner and of all similar disputes, saying, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. By the parable of the foolish rich man, Christ showed the folly of those who make the world their all. This man had received everything from God. The sun had been permitted to shine upon his land, for its rays fall on the just and on the unjust. 
the showers of blessing descend on the evil and on the good. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. hope you enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. How do you know when you are called to do something or go somewhere? How do you decide if something is the right thing to do? Do you always know in black and white which path to take or which way to go in life? Or is it sometimes less clear? Does God leave some of the decision-making to us? Ellen White's call and subsequent trip to Australia illustrates in many ways the challenges that we face in seeking God's will as she faced these two. In 1891, the General Conference officers sent an urgent request to Ellen White to spend some time in the new field of Australia. They felt it would be a great blessing, and if she had light in this direction, she was invited to set sail that same autumn. She prayed for weeks for guidance and direction, but nothing was forthcoming. She was willing to go, even though it was a great sacrifice, as long as she knew that it was the will of God. But despite her prayers, she only heard silence. She said, I have not special light to leave America for this far off country. Nevertheless, if I knew it was the voice of God, I would go. She had no light either way. In the absence of any clear light either way, rather than delay, she decided to go. Some have viewed her call to Australia as the result of politically orchestrated circumstances, but Ellen White never got entangled in such debates. She later said to her son Edson that she came in submission to the office of the General Conference, which I have ever maintained to be authority. This decision would prove a huge blessing to the work here in Australia, New Zealand and the South Pacific, a blessing they are still reaping the rewards of today. Not every decision we make does God have to spell out clearly, and action is better than delay. Ellen White moved forward and during her time here in Australia, they would establish a sanitarium and later a hospital, a publishing house, a health food company, a college, all of which would grow rapidly over time. When Ellen White arrived in Australia, she was soon sick with rheumatic fever for about eight months. She was in pain and was in bed for a long time. 
Despite her pain, she would continue to write in bed, but it got worse and worse, and it got to a point where they had to move her every two hours so as to lessen the pain. Eventually, she asked to be anointed, and afterwards she said that she was relieved but not restored, but content to wait for the Lord to work on her behalf. During this time, while lying on her back in bed, she spent a lot of time in prayer and later on said that she wouldn't exchange this experience for anything in the world. It was during this time that Jesus became a friend more dear than before. And one of the results of this experience was the writing of the book, The Desire of Ages, later on during her time here. Sometimes God was very explicit with how he led Ellen White, and at other times he was less direct. Sometimes he was quiet and she would have to figure it out. If this was how God led a prophet, then we cannot expect him to be more prescriptive in our lives today. Not every decision we make does he spell out exactly for us. And oftentimes he expects us to use our minds to reason as we come to a decision. God leads us in many ways, primarily through his word, through the wise counsel of friends and through providential circumstances. Knowing God's will is a constant struggle and challenge that we face at the many stages in life that we go through. I pray that as you seek God's will in your life, in the decisions that you have to make, whether to go into ministry or not, what occupation to have, where to live, whom to marry, that as you seek his will, you may move forward decisively. To view more episodes in the series, visit lineagejourney.com.